You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Welcome back. Part two of inflammation. Excited to dive into some of the things that are a little bit more meaningful to you. Um, As you learned in the last episode, the difference between inflammation, types of inflammation, and what kind of common signs or symptoms you might be looking out for. Now that you understand that, we're going to talk about how you can identify maybe some foods that would be impacting your chronic inflammation. Yep. This is... I think something that a lot of people just do not have awareness around. Um, You think that you have a normal, which we kind of talked about last time. You think that you feel okay. um, But I find a problem with just feeling okay. Like we want you to feel amazing. We want you to not wake up with aches in your joints and feel like you're 30 years older than you are. (laughs) We want you to not have to deal with bloating chronically, feeling like, you know, you have a little food baby all day long, um, feeling that puffiness around, especially usually the midsection or the face. Um, We want you to feel good. And taking this step and experimenting with the body a little bit um, can can teach you a lot. It can totally teach you a lot. And it's funny because as we take clients through some of these protocols, you know, they kind of kick and scream the mm-hmm. same exact way that I did uh, before I had some testing done with a holistic doctor, spent thousands of dollars, 7,000 to be exact, before <laughs> any supplements um, on blood work and therapy with them. And really what it all boiled down to was doing the anti-inflammatory diet for 30 days strict and then starting to reintroduce foods. Now I did the anti-inflammatory, I would like to say like on crack <laughs> because mm-hmm. it literally was like all nightshades, eggs, dairy gluten yeast sugar alcohol like everything um and I found out a lot you know there's still some foods that I don't eat um and there's some things that I found that I could reintroduce in moderation but if I have too many of them then I start to kind of feel crappy so if I can give you guys one gift it would be save your money and (laughs) just get disciplined to do this for about 30 days if you can Um, but we'll talk about some of these foods and I think we'll leave it up to you to identify what might be causing your inflammation or some of the symptoms that you're having right now. Yeah, absolutely. So before we do that, we're going to go into our tip or trick, um, which we always do. And right now during this time, let's be honest, no one has a routine. Like (laughs) there is no normal. It is fly by the seat of your pants almost every day. Um, But we want to talk about some things that have been helping Mm -hmm. us in particular because Liz and I thrive on routine as personally, I believe every human does. Um, Even if your routine looks different than someone else's, uh, having something that's consistent that your body can rely on, um, that your circadian rhythm can rely on, and you know, your hunger levels can rely on is important. Um, And so what we have been doing is preparing the day before for the next day, just like, you know, life goes on (laughs) and we want to wake up feeling ready to take on the day, even if we aren't sure what that day is going to entail sometimes. Um, So I know Liz goes through something 
that she does each night and mine's a little bit different too. Um, but Liz, why don't you share what you do every night? Yeah. So one of the things that I have been doing is taking about five or 10 minutes before I go to bed, just to tidy up the kitchen and tidy up the house. And I can throw a load of laundry in or flip a load over to the dryer. Um, just doing some of those like really small things at night before I go to bed, it's given me a lot of relief or just kind of peace, if you will, that I just feel like I'm going to wake up to a clean and tidy house in the morning. Mm -hmm. That said, uh, Sometimes I fall asleep on the couch and so it doesn't always happen. But, you know, a great example is last night I threw a load of laundry in and then I put my dishwasher on, cleaned up the kitchen, wiped everything down, scheduled my coffee to go off at 5, 10 in the morning. So I just knew that I could wake up. It also makes waking up much easier mm-hmm. um, because I can get up, take a shower. I know the coffee's already brewing. I'm not making a bunch of noise in the you know kitchen because I personally feel like, and you probably do too. The kids are still sleeping. So you're like tiptoeing around in the morning. Everything's louder in the morning. It is. Like they'll sleep through a bulldozer at night. But in the morning, it's like I make a creak in the floorboards and it is they are up. Uh, it's awful. Or literally is like, I can't hear everything you're doing down there. I'm like, I'm sorry. So anyways, it just gives me a peace of mind when I go to bed that I'm going to wake up to a clean and tidy house. And, um, you know, it's really only about five or 10 minutes. Marcus does make a pretty big mess. So that takes me like 20 minutes every time we eat to clean up after him. I'm sure you remember those. And you're probably still going through that with Carson. Carson's into throwing things and just, I love the child, but he's in a tough stage. Yeah. I'm sure every every stage has their difficulties. Carson is entering. He's about 21 months. He'll be two years old in August. He is emotional. He is throwing temper tantrums. He cannot express his feelings because he doesn't really talk a ton right now. I mean, there's words, but there's not really like yeah. sentences. Um, and he gets frustrated extremely easily. And it is very trying on Mama all day long. I don't know how you do it. I was walking with Art last night and I literally told him, like, I don't know how Becca does it. You have patience of a goddess. I am nervous for myself. <laughs> like, I literally said to him, I'm not sure that we're equipped and like prepared for what's coming. Um, I know that, you know, God will give yeah. us patience in the time and you kind of deal with it in the moment. But I mean, yesterday morning, just with Marcus, just talking nonstop, but it was like the weird kind of just like whiny talking. I mean, he's cute. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I was like, okay, it's like eight 30. I got to get out of the house. Like I'm driving to the gym. We're coaching virtually. So I was going to do the 9am from home in our garage. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to drive to the gym. Um, and then it was really cute because he followed me to the car or followed me to the door in his car. And he's like kind of crying. That's the first time that he's ever cried when I've left. Um, or like knows that I'm leaving and he's not coming, you know? So like that melted my heart for a minute, but I'm not going to lie. Once I got into the car, I sat down and just had that kind of like sigh of relief of like quietness. And I drove to the gym in all silence. Yeah, sometimes at the end of the day, Nick's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm physically exhausted. Yeah. Physically, mentally, emotionally. And Nick helps, but because Nick has a little bit more of like corporate job and meetings and all that kind of stuff, I will say that I've been taking a little bit more of the work with Carson because mm-hmm. um, I'm a little bit more flexible with my schedule, which we had a discussion around. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's hard. I mean, he's yeah. in the stage of temper tantrums. And like at first I fought them and I was like trying to calm him down. Now I just kind of let them happen. He has like 15 to 20 a day, mini temper tantrums. Like the other day he's into crossing the street and we have a little four way crosswalk by our house. Um, that's not like a major intersection and 
we walk in circles around it. And he makes right left turn after left turn or right turn after right turn and just wants to cross all the crosswalks. And when I make him stop, because I'm like, we need to stop crossing the street. He throws himself on the ground wherever we are and someone's else, someone else's lawn or driveway or just on the sidewalk and like flails around and whines. And I'm just like, I just I let honestly it happen would now. stand there and laugh. I, I mean, that's like. what I do at this point. It's just like, and he, you know, he mumbles his babble of whatever he's trying to say where like, if I tell him not to touch something like, you know, the breakable things mm-hmm. in our house or the lamp, I'm like, Carson, no. And then he puts his hands on it. It's like he's defying mm. what I'm asking of him. I, I basically don't say no anymore because it just makes him do it more. Yeah. He's in that stage. So it's just a little tough. Yeah. But what I've been doing is I, um, the night before, I always try to make sure everything's clean. Um, I make sure that my clothes are ready to go in the morning because I've been waking up around 5 or 5.15 most mornings and I work out. So I will wake up at 5.15 go outside to the garage, move the cars out of the garage, turn on the heater, come back inside, let the heater heat up the garage for 10 or 15 minutes because Chicago is still blistering cold, this freaking city. Um, And then I come back in, I get dressed, I drink some water, um, get my headphones in, I go outside to the garage and I work out from usually 545 until about 645, come in, shower, and then I'm good to go for the day. Carson wakes up right around 7. Sometimes Nick gets up to work out in the basement on the Peloton too, but it's just having, for me, it's the morning routine more than the nighttime routine that just helps me set up for the day. Because yeah. once the day gets going, I don't have time to work out. My time to work basically is between 12 and 3 when Carson's sleeping. Yeah. Um, and so that morning just sets me up for success. And the night before, I try to make sure if I'm going to my sister's to help, um, you know, my sister with her niece, with my niece and the same age as Carson um, and my husband and I go over there. That's basically the only people we're seeing is my sister and my um, her niece because she has a job as well. And her husband, unfortunately, still has to work. Um, and so we're just trying to help them out. And so I have all the food packed the night before for Carson, myself and Nick um so it's just preparing because it's i'm sorry guys but like you will not succeed without preparation in some way or shape or form absolutely you have to have a preparation of either what you plan to accomplish that day or what you plan to eat that day or when you plan to work out i don't make my to-do list 15 things long but i usually have a to-do list of at least a couple main things that i have to get done that day and i focus around those and then i schedule out what time during the day i'm either going to go for a walk or i'm going to work out i always know what i'm going to be eating that day for the most part unless we decide to order in like there needs to be preparation because we just cannot succeed without it yeah flying by the seat of your pants isn't going to work right now and you know i know a lot of people are out of their routine but it doesn't mean that you can't create a new routine and find some sort of normalcy in these times. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Becca this morning, my post on Instagram today is actually about um, how I kind of disagree with some of the people who preach about having the same morning routine every single day. Um, You know, kind of what we talked about some mornings I get up and I do my workout because that's the only time I'm going to be able to get Mm -hmm. it done. However, if there are some things that are kind of like stressing me out or mentally kind of, you know, worrying me, as far as work, for example, like I get up extra early, then I get it done. So this morning I got up at five. I've been getting up at five every single day. It's just, I like to get up at the same time every day. If we like the rhythm, right? Um, your body's like routine, mm-hmm. but I knew obviously you're coming today. We have calls. We have different things we want to get done. I wanted to zero out my inbox, wanted to send some stuff over to our mentor and then get my workout in. Now my schedule has changed and I didn't do that. And that's okay. Um, I plan for that flexibility, but what I think matters most is that you as parents or moms, um, set yourself up 
for a clear-minded day. So whatever it is that's kind of stressing you out or you're kind of feeling anxious about, get up and get that thing done first in the morning before the kids get up, before you start work or before you start trying to, you know, become daycare worker or teacher or whatever, get up and get those things done for you so that you have kind of a peace of mind. And I am very intentional about how I spend that hour to two hours in the morning before I have to be mom mm-hmm. or wife or coach or whatever, because that just allows me to not have one more thing on my shoulder weighing me down or stressing yeah. me out. And it helps you to show up better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if it's self-care, if it is, you know, just quiet time, two days ago, I got up 445. I just woke up. So I just got up Mm -hmm. and I came downstairs. I sat on the couch. I did my devotion. I started reading some stuff that I wanted to read, some studying. And it was so nice just because it was quiet me time. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't have to be me going into workout or me getting on the computer and doing emails or work. It was just time that I could sit and gather my thoughts, have a cup of coffee, maybe two, (laughs) you know, and, and get ready for the day. So whatever it is for you, find and create that routine for yourself, nighttime and morning. It can be different than normal. That's okay. Probably not going to be back to normal for a long time. And so what you can do right now is make the best of the situation. Absolutely. All right. Let's dive into anti-inflammatory part two. Okay. So why are we doing this? Um, many people don't know the impact of food um, on your body unless you have a food allergy. So we're going to talk about food intolerances and food sensitivities today um, because it's estimated that three out of four people actually have a food intolerance. So this usually occurs like when your gut, your digestive system reacts poorly to certain foods or specific ingredient in a food. Um, and it can show up many ways, bloating, fatigue, acne, dry skin, constipation, gas, weight gain or inability to lose weight, as well as inflammation. So I know for me, there's certain foods that I find, I just feel puffier. I feel mm-hmm. fluffy, yep. <laughs> if you will, like the, the doughboy, um, the Pillsbury doughboy, if I've had inflammatory foods. Yeah. So want to just kind of dive into some of those common inflammatory food groups today so that you can start to watch out for them. Yeah. So we want to talk about what a food intolerance is technically because there's a difference, like Liz was saying, between an allergy response in the body and then an intolerance response in the body. Um, food intolerances usually occur kind of when the gut reacts poorly to a specific food or ingredient used in food preparation. A lot of times this can happen when you go out to eat and restaurants use you know, canola oil or safflower oil or another inflammatory-based oil um, that can cause gut irritation. So intolerances can result from the absence of an enzyme needed to fully digest a food. So this could be lactose intolerance. So, you know, dairy, milk, proteins, you aren't actually producing or you have a lack of production of lactase, the digestive enzyme that's necessary to break down that food. Um, So the food intolerance is not regarded as a diagnosis um, by many of the medical community out there. So in part, this is kind of because the symptoms of food intolerances tend to be milder. Uh, They can also have a slower onset than an allergy does. Not always. Usually food allergies are very immediate responses, Um, whether it's, you know, like you feel like you can't breathe or you are having skin irritation immediately. So it's usually much more 
like direct swelling. And, yeah, exactly. Um, mm. So food intolerance and symptoms, like we talked about last time, gas and bloating, diarrhea, stomach cramping, stuffy nose, mucus production is very common with dairy intolerance, um, nausea, vomiting, headaches is very common with gluten and sugars. Um, so while some of these symptoms are kind of benign, serious gastrointestinal complaints are often characteristic of a more severe intolerance. So um, if left uninvestigated, more serious things can occur because it typically will build. Um, yep. Your body will build kind of a resilience against it and will create more and more symptoms and it will manifest in a larger way. Um, so we wanted to kind of talk about the most common ones out there. Uh, so you have lactose or milk proteins. So you will see this a lot of times with dairy, mm -hmm. um, yogurt, whey proteins, um, milk, cow's milk especially. Um, so this is a very common one for many people uh, because many people stop producing lactase, which is the enzyme that helps break down milk protein at a very young age mm -hmm. i think it's so, like three yeah i think it's at three years old because obviously before that time children need mm -hmm. this and you still have children that do have sensitivities um to milk protein a lot of times colic children and stuff like that so it does still happen but most people stop producing this at a very young age we need it before then for development yeah interesting we are the only species that drinks another animal's milk yeah um <laughs> and i was researching I mean, it kind of makes sense we're it, the most <laughs> developed species yeah. but i was researching so um marcus has always been on goat milk protein and i was talking with somebody about um just why we're doing that and she also does goat milk and she was telling me that um be, like here in america we're the first ones to ever use dairy products mm -hmm. um many other countries use goat milk for the babies huh. like that's what they've always used um and so i thought that was really interesting yeah i don't know if it's 100 percent true because you know i heard it through the grapevine from someone yeah. that i don't know very well but um <laughs> I mean, it, it was interesting. Really interesting yeah and i think that you know children need that milk protein for like calcium levels yeah. and it's such a calorie dense source um but you know i still sometimes wonder like carson has bad eczema on his face mm -hmm. and he has and so I, of, I often wonder, but at the same token, it's like the quality of dairy I provide them is very high. It's all, yep. you know, grass fed, sustainably raised. Um, well, you so. want them to have a diverse gut bacteria, exactly. right? And so a lot of people might remove things or keep their kids from consuming certain things out of fear. You know, like yep. I didn't introduce nuts until about nine months, primarily because Art has a severe nut allergy to cashews. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's literally like hitch style face planted in the emergency room oh, before, my like gosh. almost died. Um, yes. So he, uh, his is, it's strange. It developed when he was in college. Huh. It's a cashew allergy. He is also allergic to other tree nuts, except he can have mangoes, which is interesting. Hmm. And then over the last couple of years, he's developed a lethicin intolerance. So he gets really like itchy and it's hard to swallow. So some people develop allergies, Absolutely. you know, over the course of time. But, you know, for the little guys, I think it's important to keep a really well-rounded, diverse gut bacteria. Yeah. I honestly all the foods. think I'm totally making this up, but it's based off of personal opinion. So don't hold me to this. <laughs> I think that is a huge reason why we have so many more food allergies nowadays, because so many people do not introduce foods to their children or they have fear of like keeping things extra, extra clean and whole mm -hmm. and, and like their entire lives that then children don't create the digestive enzymes that are necessary for a lot of these foods to digest properly and absorb from them. 
And so they end up with allergies. Yeah. I also think that it's the lack of nutritional foods that they feed children, right? When I look at kind of like the average American children's diet, at least from what I hear from my families, I have a lot of nieces and nephews. uh, It's a lot of macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets and, you know, pastas and stuff like that. Minimal veggies, some fruit. Uh, I know Carson's a really good fruit eater, but as far as like proteins and stuff, we started Marcus on a lot of really good high quality protein in pouches uh, early on. So immediately when he was six months, we started to kind of reintroduce that. And now he's eating chicken. He's had ham. He's got ground beef. Um, I was nervous to give it to him in the beginning, but the doctor is like, no, he can actually chew really, really well. Yeah. Babies even, can chew well. Yeah. Even without having teeth. And so um, we've been doing that and he absolutely, he loves it. And so I think it, it, is kind of a combination of things, yeah. right? Like we need to get them these whole unprocessed foods so they get the nutrients so that they can develop the immune system as mm-hmm. well, right? To fight off some of this inflammation that might be coming from other processed foods. But also, like you said, to develop a you know, very yeah. diverse gut bacteria so they have the enzymes to break it down. Another story for another day. Yes. Let's move on to the next yep. <laughs> yep. type of yes. intolerance. So yeast is another one. So candida albicans is breads, baked goods. It can also be kind of exponentiated by sugar. So mm-hmm. sweets, alcohol. pastries, alcohol, this kind of thing. So you're thinking like beer or, you know, mixed drinks, wine, stuff like that um, is another very common food intolerance. Gluten is the next one, including yeah. both celiac and wheat sensitivities, grains such as wheat, barley, rye. So this is one of those things where you got to look at ingredient lists. You got to look at, you know, you'd be surprised the things that contain these foods um, and that contain these ingredients that you might be sensitive to. Yeah. Um, so, well, and I think gluten is getting a lot of hype right now. Like there's a lot of buzz around yes. gluten-free, you know, if I go gluten-free, I'm going to lose all this weight. <laughs> and realistically, like that's not how it works. Many times when they make baked goods that are gluten-free, you have to use another sort of binder. Mm-hmm. So when gluten's removed, they typically put in fat. So this could be, you know, butter, coconut oil, things like that. But a gluten intolerance or sensitivity can create symptoms similar to celiac disease. So um, a non-celiac gluten sensitivity will mirror celiac symptoms. However, the issues are not as a result of an autoimmune disorder and the problem is not genetic. So for this reason, a person with non-celiac gluten sensitivity will not experience like the small intestine damage from ingesting gluten. However, they're going to have the unpleasant symptoms. Um, So those unpleasant symptoms can be headaches, skin rashes, acne, joint pain or numbness, fatigue, forgetfulness. So there's a book called The Grain Brain. That's a really good one. Um, So if you feel like you can't focus or like ADHD, you might want to try removing gluten. Um, Some other ones here are diarrhea, constipation, gas, and bloating. So if you suspect a gluten intolerance, try eliminating it for at least 14 days. I like to say 30 days, but some people don't feel mentally they can do that. So commit to at least 14 days. Um, if you have like a wheat allergy too, those can show up as skin issues. So itchy mm-hmm. rashes, hives, facial swelling, um, breathing problems. So I think it's yep. just something that you might have a mild reaction right now. I'll give myself as a perfect example. Anytime that I would have beer, which I've completely stopped drinking Ugh. in the last year, so um, sad. 
I know it's so sad. It's so good. Um, but anytime that I have beer, typically what happens is one, I get bloated pretty immediately. I do too. So filling. I can't have it anymore. But what happens for me is about 48 hours later, sometimes 72 hours later, my back and my joints hurt Mm. so bad. So it's not always like these sensitivities and intolerances. It's not always going to show up right away. Like the allergy would, it can occur up to five to seven days later that you're starting to see, you know, some of these symptoms show up. Yep. And I'm the same way. I, I actually get stopped up and constipated when I have any type of like high amounts of wheat with beer included in that list. Um, it was funny because for a really long time I drank it and thought I was fine. <laughs> and I'm sure my body like acclimated somehow. Yeah. Um, and I was not as regular going to the bathroom at that time in my life. Um, who would have known? Because uh, I didn't pay attention to it. Um, but yeah, I'm the same way. I, literally, as soon as I take a couple sips of beer, my stomach is already like three months four months pregnant because it's so good i know i love beer too what's your favorite beer oh gosh that's a good question i really like bell's winter white ale okay um i like blue moon that kind of beer Mm -hmm. i also like revolution anti-hero ipas yep nick's a huge ipa heavy ipa hazy ipa stuff like that um i can't handle those like the 120 minute dogfish head yeah i'm like this is 11 percent alcohol in a beer so super strong too heavy too strong yeah i'm much like you i love the wheat beers so Mm -hmm. any of the summer ones the tangerine wheat that's my favorite Mm -hmm. one and i also we used to like ipas they're too bitter for me now um but i love a good sour beer so i'm into sour beers yeah the thing with beer is i correlate beer with drinking in the summertime Mm -hmm. like on a patio Mm -hmm. or at the beach or something like that yeah yep and so i think of like summer beers yeah you know citrusy okay so we just have i just have to ask this question and i hope our listeners laugh at this but what did you drink in college what was that like college beer my gosh so i didn't drink a ton of beer in college i think i did just like as a byproduct of everyone else um but what we used to do is there was this uh barrett's blue top vodka that we used to buy yeah, I they also, had like a million different million flavors. Different flavors. Yes. We used to buy sweet tea flavored vodka mm-hmm. and mix it with lemonade, or I would drink pink Andre champagne. I used to drink like two bottles of that on the nights of formals. I would get so sick. Like, what is wrong with people in college? <laughs> it was so much fun. But it was though. like you $5 a bottle. Right. So I used to drink this like bubbly pink yeah. strawberry flavored champagne. <laughs> So the brunettes, I totally yep. know what you're talking about. We used to do that in Cherry. Oh, man. There were some t- nights where, like, people would get mean off of brunettes because it's just, like, not... <laughs> I have a not friend high quality she, It's not high-quality vodka at all. But she literally... We would tell her, like, you cannot have brunettes because like, she would get mean. Um, but as far as beer, I got to throw it down, shamefully, Natty Light. Oh, yeah. Like, by the 30 pack. Yeah. That's all we took on Absolutely. the summer. Yeah. You can't afford Corona in college. You can't afford high PAs. Like, come on. Crappy, crappy Not the 30 pack for like (laughs) $9.99 at Natty Lakes. It's basically water. (laughs) Oh my gosh. gosh. Those were the days though. Okay. So now that we have totally derailed what we were talking about, (laughs) let's bring it back. So I wanted to kind of touch on the cheese and the dairy because I know that is super delicious, right? A lot of people love cottage cheese, Greek yogurt, Mm -hmm. and I think that there is a um, importance to call out with quality. So I'm going to kind of go through some things that are symptoms. Um, and then we'll talk about the quality. So dairy is a processed food that can be damaging to your immune system. And you might never know until you reintroduce, uh, sorry, cut it out and then reintroduce. Mm -hmm. So if you have a sensitivity, you might actually feel worse initially when you remove it. Um, think of it as like a dairy hangover. Some people go through this as far as like sugar withdrawals. Um, but if you are eating more dairy during this detox period, you would feel initially better, which 
can be deceiving. So allow yourself some time to fully flush out dairy from your system. And for that, I would say at least 30 days for a dairy yeah. intolerance. Yep. Um, so a couple of symptoms or expressions of dairy intolerance here gas, bloating, other digestive problems. So according to the Academy of Family Physicians, about 75% of adults worldwide are not capable of digesting milk. So by the age of three or four, like we talked about earlier, we've stopped producing that enzyme lactase to digest and break down the sugars. So listen to your body. It is trying to tell you something. Some of the most common things that I've personally experienced and see with clients are congestion, runny nose, phlegm, feeling like you have to clear your throat. I would get mm-hmm. this in workouts a lot. Uh, Wouldn't able, wasn't able to breathe yeah. um, and just felt like I couldn't get that kind of mucus out. So yep. dairy, dairy is a mucus forming food. Uh, the root of the mucus is inflammation in the body and that is pretty much a precursor to some of these other autoimmune diseases. So while you're clearing your throat, doesn't seem like a big deal right now. Imagine the other inflammatory responses that are going on internally. Um, you can also have a dairy intolerance show up as skin blemishes, bumpy skin or acne. I used to get these little um, pimples all over both of my arms and I would sit there like want to like pick at them because yes. they're like the little white ones, yep. right? So that is 100% a dairy intolerance. It's not going to be always on your face, um, but I had mine on my upper arms, like mm-hmm. my shoulder area. Yeah. And I think this happens a lot of times. People think like <laughs> cheese is in a food group. Okay. Cheese is an additive that's enjoyable on things, but I think that so many people just like put cheese on everything or make it a main part of their dishes or something like that. Um, and like Liz was saying, I think quality is a huge driver here. Um, I really don't do a lot of cheese. Like we, you know, I'm not a big pizza person. I can't tolerate that much cheese. I'm totally fine with a high quality Greek yogurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about the extent of my dairy intake. Um, sometimes I'll do cottage cheese, stuff like that, but uh, I cannot do high amounts of cheese. And I think that that's the main thing that people uh, need to look at is how much dairy are you actually including in your day? Yeah. Um, because you might be surprised how much cheese you actually eat. Well, everything how much you from go through. coffee creamer yep. to yogurt. So I know we've talked a lot about protein and yep. to get protein. get protein intake adequate. Some people do rely on cottage cheese or the Greek yogurt, like you yeah, mentioned, protein bars, protein shakes, yep. and finding a quality protein bar, or protein yep. shake, because Liz and I have done our experiments with this guys. It took me a very long time to figure out what type of protein tolerated with my gut well. Um, and first form is the only one that I've found. Yeah, because I, I remember you used to do Driven when we first I met. I used to do Driven. I've done um, UR in the past. Mm-hmm. I've done grass-fed protein. Like, they're not expensive. poor quality, expensive yeah. stuff. Um, and I even tried plant-based organ protein. And all of these... My gut did not tolerate, meaning I got super gassy. I felt like I like you, you know, that feeling when you drink a protein shake and you can feel yep. like you drank a protein shake, it's like, like it just sitting sits in, your, in your gut and your, yeah, and that's throat, how I would feel. Yeah. And it took me a really long time to find one that one tasted good mm-hmm. and two, I didn't get a disruptive gut from. Yeah. I went off of way for three or four years and I used to tell all my clients, no way, way. <laughs> that was my, my saying. And I do still strongly stand by the fact that I believe people need to go with a plant-based product mm-hmm. for a while and see how you feel. And then if you want to get a high quality whey protein, you know, reintroduce that. I tried a few different ones and I didn't have much uh, luck. I would get bloated. I remember the day that we came back from doing one of our seminars. Mm-hmm. We stopped at that protein bar by your yeah. house and we got the delicious. Oh, they have those coffee smoothies. Yeah. Yes. Coffee the millennial protein perk. Or like, yeah. Oh yeah. my God. So good. So good. But 
honestly, like halfway home, my stomach was turning inside out and cramping Uh, so bad. And so really I was very skeptical until I tried first form. Um, and that has been totally fine. And now I'm actually ordering the top notch nutrition one. They're clean. I've heard nothing but amazing things about that. So it's important for you to understand the high quality products that you're putting into your body because of the processing, the way that they're made. So first form is made to be digested like a whole protein. Mm-hmm. So like a chicken breast, for example, mm-hmm. um, we can link that podcast, but as far as the other Greek yogurts and things like that, I know you like to do Siggy's. Yep. They have other probiotics that are in there that help yeah. your body digest them. Yep. And they're great. So another last thing Liz was talking about, like the, you know, skin blemishes, stuff like that. Um, it creates inflammation and it makes it hard to lose weight because when you have inflammation in the body, your body stores body fat easier and it's trying to hold on to it. No matter how little you're eating or how much you're exercising, you might be surprised at how much the body functions better when removing some of these things. And I think a lot of people just think like skin rashes or, you know, breakouts and acne are normal. They're not normal guys. Your body's trying to tell you something. It's a symptom. It's a sign that something is not right in the body. And so trying to really dig into this and give it some time and give it some effort to figure out how much better you can feel. And I know it's hard when you don't know that better feeling. You Mm -hmm. don't know what it is on the other side. It's just like having faith. You don't know, but you got to have faith. Yeah. So if you're going to do this, I would tell you right out of the gates, expect around day three or four, you'll kind of feel like this cloud has been lifted. Same thing if you were going to remove caffeine from your diet. You're going to kind of go through some withdrawals for a few days. You kind of feel weird. Uh, But by day three or four, you wake up feeling this whole new level of energy. I I specifically remember that when I did the anti-inflammatory, like it really sucked for the first few days. Yes. Like, Man, what am I going to eat? But then that feeling of not needing to have coffee, the feeling of not like falling asleep in the afternoon at my desk, things like that. And the bloating and the regularity that I gained yep. from removing these inflammatory foods was amazing. So instead of going to the doctor and spending crazy amounts of money, getting blood work done, because, you know, honestly, guys, some of those lab tests that come back, there's two different sensitivities and intolerance tests. There's an IgG and an IgA, and typically they'll run both. And one is like an early onset and it's temporary. And the other one is that it might be seven to 10 days, even longer sitting in your system, causing inflammation in your body. So yeah, you can get those things done and you can have a lab report tell you. However, I would recommend just eliminating the foods and going by how you feel because I know so many clients who haven't had certain things show up for them, but yet when they reintroduce them in their diet, they felt lethargic. They felt constipated. They got bloating again. And so those things like your body is extremely smart. They're not a hundred percent accurate. No, I'm really against them actually. Um, unless you have a true food allergy, Mm -hmm. a lot of times what it actually shows up is what you're consuming. Mm -hmm. So it will show that you have an intolerance to chicken or eggs and egg is a common intolerance. The egg yolk is a very common intolerance, but it shows up the digestive enzymes that are currently in the body because what they think it's showing is like your body trying to fight these things. But when you've consumed food, your body has enzymes that break down those foods. And so if it's a common food that you eat, you guys, I'll be honest, chicken breast is one of the least common intolerant foods there is. Like you don't, not many people have an allergy to chicken breast. And so like that is the problem with these tests is that they a lot of times aren't actually telling you what you're intolerant to. They oftentimes tell you what to actually in your diet Mm -hmm. at the time. So 
I'm against them. I, I, just, I am also against them because there were some things that showed up on there that I have never even had. Yeah. I, I can't even remember now because it's been it's five or six stuff. years, but it was some very, very strange things. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's very interesting because so many people are against kind of doing this because one, they're uneducated. They don't understand mm-hmm. the impact, right? Like they just think that there's this way of feeling and that it's kind of kind of normal throughout yep. their day that you know, their friends are bloated too, or their friends have these issues yeah. too. So that's normal. Um, because realistically we do a poor job of identifying foods that are mm-hmm. causing these kind of non-acute long-term illnesses. So autoimmune disease is not like something you're genetically predispositioned no. to get. It's something that we create. We have a gene for it. It gets turned on because we eat inflammatory foods. Your body attacks itself to the point where you develop this disease. Yep. Um, but it's it's interesting. Like even if you look back at the history of all of these tests and how we've kind of evolved to this gluten-free place or um, celiac disease, it's because of a famine that actually happened in Holland mm-hmm. at the end of World War II. And it took that famine to eradicate wheat from the diet and an attentive doctor to identify that his celiac patients had been cured so they were thinking crazy it's so crazy right like they're thinking that wheat is great because you know we grow it it's one ingredient that Mm -hmm. all makes sense but some people just don't have the ability to you know break it down so i would recommend 14 days minimum if not do 30 days and then start to reintroduce yep when you reintroduce you want to reintroduce one food at a time for three to four days so what i mean by that is if you're going to remove dairy you'd want to reintroduce pick one thing. If it's cottage cheese, reintroduce that, have it three to four days in a row, track your symptoms. How do you feel? Do you notice any bloating, any acne kind of showing up? And realistically, like that can show up even five to seven days later, but at least have that food for three to four days in a row before you start to introduce another food. So guys, take your time. It's important to take your time. Otherwise it's all gone to waste. Like I've had clients do the full anti-inflammatory feel amazing. But you know, after removing so many things for 30 days, I feel like they want their favorite food again. Mm-hmm. They have pizza and they feel horrible. And it's like, okay, well, was it the gluten? Was it the eggs? Was, was it the it dairy? The, was, was it the, the sugar nightshade? from the pizza sauce? Like there's so many things. <laughs> that is pizza is just literally one big cluster of inflammation. So you got to try to identify what it is. And the other things that we'll just leave you with that are common intolerances or sensitivities that can cause some issues would be nuts, seeds, beans, legumes, eggs, as Becca talked about. So we can do egg yolks and egg whites separately to kind of see if that is anything. Um, and then fructose and other sugars. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So fructose is a common one as well. Um, and it's hard because a lot of people think like, you know, fruits healthy, but bananas, canned fruits, dried fruits that have extra sugar in them, um, mango, pineapple, raisins, and watermelon. So all very high glycemic foods, meaning they cause blood sugar to spike a lot higher are common ones. Yeah. And it's one of those things, like we said, is very individualized for everyone. Um, but unfortunately, even though the food's healthy, it might not be healthy for your body. Yep. And your body might be fighting it in a way. So give it a shot, guys. Um, if not now, give it a shot at some point. I know that now is a tough time <laughs> to really come by a lot of really great food at the grocery store. Um, but we want you to feel better. We yeah. want you to feel your best. Uh, and so. And if you have a, like a specific symptom that you're worried about, reach yeah, out to one of us. You know, absolutely. we'd love to talk with you. If it's something that is like a very glaring, you know, dairy intolerance. We had somebody reach out to us last week and yep. we talked to her about that. And I said, you know, I would start with dairy first because I am a big proponent of keeping as wide a variety in your diet as you can. And so of course, if you don't have any issues with certain foods, why remove them? You shouldn't mm-hmm. have to, you know, restrict things, but 
we can definitely take some time to test and see what you feel best with. So if you have any questions, reach out to one of us. We'd love to chat with you. And until next time, have a great day. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.